Hey, this is JT, and welcome to another episode of Life at Bethel, where we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today's episode is entitled, Everybody at Bethel is Not Broke. <laughs> We're going to talk about what is known as G-jobbing. G-jobbing is something that used to take place at Bethel on a regular basis, and I'm going to share with you how G-jobbing took place. I remember when I first heard that term, G-jobbing. Guys would be saying on Saturday afternoon, we're going to do a little G-jobbing, doing a little G-jobbing. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, what it is, it's a phrase that actually comes from doing government work is what it really refers to. But what happens is, these are Bethelites who do work outside of Bethel. And when I was at Bethel, this was the thing. Now, everybody didn't get to do this. When I came to Bethel, you made $80 a month. That's what everybody got. When I left, you were making $90 a month. And I personally observed and saw just from my own personal experience, there were Bethelites and Bethel couples who they literally lived on $90 a month. And it was sad. I mean, it was sad. Uh, their clothes, um, they would shop in what was referred to at Bethel as the hopper. The hopper was a location where people would take all of their old goods. You take your old shoes, old suits, old ties, old shirts that you didn't want. And some them get some good stuff out there. I mean, there's some people you can get you know, winter coats and, and all that. It was almost like a Goodwill store, basically what it was. But we, we refer to it as the hopper. And, and you can always find something pretty good in there. But for some people, this is where they actually got their clothes from. And unfortunately, as you saw them walking around Bethel, uh, it showed. Um, there were people who came to Bethel and they had no family who would provide them with any support. I was very, very fortunate. I came from a congregation in North Carolina that before going to Bethel, uh, the friends were very excited. Uh, so the friends would often send what we refer to as the green handshake. Yeah, the green handshake. And the friends would often send money to me. They would send gifts. They would, give, they would send care packages with all toiletries and all kinds of little things. Then there was my parents. My parents, they would also help out. Then the congregation that I was a part of. The congregation would often help out. And so these provided assistance. Uh, brothers would often take us shopping uh, for suits and, and ties and things of that nature. So you had all of these ways of uh, being able to survive Bethel. But the other way was G-jobbing. Now, G-jobbing was something that basically you had to have a trade, generally speaking, but not always. Generally, the guys in the trades, they were known for G-jobbing. So if you worked in electrical, plumbing, carpet laying, drywall, painting, tile setting. These were jobs you could do on the side. Uh, I also, interestingly, on the high-tech side, there were Bethelites who were software programmers. And at night, when they would get off work at 5 o'clock, they hit the train, go straight over to Lower Manhattan, the Wall Street, go straight to those financial institutions, and they would program code. So they made very good money. Um, and the same with those like myself. I was in one of the trades. And it was really interesting the way it worked. Uh, it was always unspoken, unwritten, and an understanding. That is why I said there's a culture that you have to understand. Let me just give you just a few examples of how this thing works. I was in one of the trades. 
in New York City, a lot of the, the brothers, they, they work white-collar jobs. I'm like, well, I'm from a North Carolina. Everybody had a, you know, had a shop in the backyard. So they could do a lot of handyman stuff. But a lot of the brothers in New York City, they worked in a lot of the, the you know, white-collar type uh, industry. So you didn't have a lot of tradesmen many times in the congregation. So this is where the Bethelites would often come in at. And so that was an arrangement when I was at Bethel where you actually, if you wanted to do something, for example, let's say your congregation wanted carpet or needed carpet. Well, many times what they would do, they knew they could not pay the Bethelites. They would get the Bethelites to change the carpet. Now, you never, you never, you always understood, you never could tell the friends how much something costs. Whether you was doing something at the Kingdom Hall or whether you were doing something at their homes, you simply never gave a cause. You never did that. You said, whatever your brothers want to give. And I know Bethelites who worked in like roofing, Kingdom Halls in New York, didn't have A roofs like they did where I was from, so the rain would just pour down. They had flat roofs. And so you would get puddles of water that would just stand on the roof. And they would oftentimes ask guys who knew somebody, who knew somebody, and they would coordinate. And you could actually use the society's equipment. That's what was so cool about it. You could actually use the society's equipment. If you worked in that department, you could requisition a truck if you were in trucking to haul tile, to haul carpet. If you worked in the carpet department, you could get the carpet through the society's major purchasing power. So congregation got it cheap. And if the friends wanted to give you something, as they often did, you would get something. Working in friends' homes, something lots of Bethelites did. I remember so many jobs going on with, with other Bethelites, plumbing guys, electrical guys, people who did tile work in people's bathrooms. Go in, you do what's called a suicide weekend. If it was your Saturday off, you would take off Friday afternoon or Friday right after work, and you would work all night long at someone's house. Into the morning, they bring you breakfast, you work all day Saturday, and you'll finish up on Sunday. Whole weekend, nothing but G-jobbing. And over the years, this is how a lot of Bethelites made money that kept them going. And you could do very well, to be honest. Because keep in mind, this is typically not going to be taxed because the friends gave it to you as a green handshake. Yes, the G-jobbing was alive and well. And it was just simply an understanding. Nobody talked about it, but it was understood. Interestingly, down the road, people started getting in trouble G-jobbing. Because for some brothers, the jobs got larger and larger and larger. You see, Bethel has a lot of guys at Bethel who are licensed plumbers, licensed electricians, and they can pull the, the needed paperwork to get permits because they're licensed in New York City. So they would oftentimes do work. And I remember an experience that was related to us from a brother who worked in the Treasury Department. And this brother shared this experience of how some Bethelites were getting into trouble. Uh, there was a brother who worked in construction. He was invited by a sister whose husband was a dentist who lived out in Long Island. And what he was doing, he was adding on to his house and his uh, practice at his house. So his wife explained, you know, there are some brothers at, at Bethel, they don't make any money. They can do the job at a discounted rate. And so... She invited the brothers out from Bethel. They came out, they met her husband. He was not a witness. And they agreed, we can do this. Well, interestingly, the man got the work done. He paid the Bethelites, and it was a substantial sum. Well, of course, this was a business for him. 
So what do people do who have a business? They write these things off as a business expense. So what happened, and this is what the brother in the Treasury Department at Bethel was telling us about what went down, was how the man, the doctor, he wrote off as a business expense. Well, at the end of the job, because the, the doctors hadn't done as part of his business, he basically 1099 them. And of course, that meant the IRS was looking, well, where do we go and get the tax money for this type of income that was generated? And of course, that's when the Bethelites got in trouble because they didn't pay the taxes on it. Yes, G-jobbing takes on many shapes, forms, and fashions. Uh, some of you may remember uh, from your visit to the Assembly Hall in New Jersey. It's called the Jersey City Assembly Hall. It's considered the crown jewel of all the society's assembly halls because it's the one with the chandelier that's valued at over a million dollars once it was restored back to its original glory days. Um, but what's interesting about that is one of the jobs that Bethelites often had on the side was photography, uh, taking pictures, yes, doing weddings. I remember there was one Bethelite, uh, he actually worked in the society's photography department. I used to work with his roommate, and uh, he used to talk about how you know his roommate had you know, his roommate had one of the coolest jobs in the world. You know, they would come home from work and his roommate would have a ticket, you know, fly off to Japan, take pictures of the branch, uh, fly down to one of the islands, take pictures of the branch. And the guy just had a cool job. He was a society photographer. So he had access to all these uh, high tech cameras, lenses and all everything that you can imagine. Well, interestingly, you know, he decided to do a little G jobbing on the side. And of course, what he took up was shooting weddings. Um, I remember that the, he got in trouble because of it. And at this time, the society was starting to crack down because people were getting 1099, which is what happens when you do a job for someone and they pay you and they want to write up in their taxes. They'll give you what's called a 1099. And of course, you have to file that with the IRS. And a lot of the Bethlehem's, of course, weren't filing taxes on this kind of stuff. And that's what really kind of brought this thing to a, almost a complete halt to where the society pretty much the way it is now is it's nothing in comparison to what it was before. Well, the assembly hall was actually used by many couples, and there are couples all over the country, all over the world probably, they actually have pictures of their wedding taken at the Stanley Theater. I had a couple of buddies who they, they served as what was called assembly hall uh, caretakers, and they basically had two of Bethelites who were assigned to take care of the assembly halls in New York City, uh, the one in Queens, the one in Manhattan, and of course the best assignment was getting the one out there in Jersey City. If you've ever entered into the auditorium, if you look at the stage and you look up high, up to the right, you'll see what looks like a like a like some type of European villa or something. Well, behind those uh, stained glasses, there's actually an apartment up there. It's where the caretakers stay, and that we used to have a lot of little get-togethers over there after the assemblies, um, and that's what they did. They, we 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 had a lot of little get-togethers over there. Um, but what happened is this guy would take pictures and he would use the assembly hall. And other photographers, they would use the assembly hall. And some of the caretakers, they would basically open the assembly hall up at night. The couples would come in with their clothes and everything, and they would grace themselves on that grand staircase. It's like It looks very much like we've gone with the wind. And so it's a spectacular assembly hall. And so they would use that. And so once again, you know, G-jobbing on the side. Well, eventually the society started cracking down, and this guy actually got in trouble for this. So this guy, you know, he, working in the photography department, rumor had, of course, that he was using society's equipment, and, of course, as a result, he got bounced down from the photography department. They put him over in the deluxe Bible-making department, the ones that had the gold, beautiful gold leaf around the Bible. 
And we had this uh, program at Bethel where they open up Bethel to allow the different departments to come and visit. So people in the home, people in the office, they came over to visit those of us in the factory. The factory went down to visit people in the home and the offices just to see how each other worked. And what they did, they stuck him right out on the tour route in front of all his friends he used to work with down in the office. And here he is out there making deluxe Bibles. I mean, it, it was just so humiliating. But G-jobbing now has taken on a whole different uh, aspect because of the taxes and because of the vow of poverty. And we're going to get into that in another video. But once again, the way in which Bethelites were actually able to make money at Bethel, there was no limit to it. Um, there were people, for example, those of us who perhaps had the ability to cut hair. Uh, you would have Bethelites who could cut hair. Typically, as a Bethelite, you got your hair cut every three weeks. So many guys, before they give a talk, they wanted to you know, get, get, get the little hair freshened up and everything. So if you do one of the guys who did hair, you go over to his room Saturday night, and you get there many times, and there'll be a whole line of guys sitting around waiting to get their hair. You know, as we say, block me off in the back. You know? So once again, Bethelites came up with ways to make money. And of course, these were all love offerings that they were given as well. And so those are the type of things that people used to do when I was at Bethel all the time. Uh, one of the favorite things that I liked doing was uh, serving as a waiter at people's weddings. This was probably one of the simplest things that you could do G-jobbing on. You would typically have guys who worked in the kitchen. They could get you access to a little cumble band, and all you needed was a black pair of pants and a white shirt and a little bow tie, and you're ready to go. Well, what happened is you would do weddings in New York. And so as you are serving as waiters for the weddings, other people who may be getting married down the road, they'll see, and anybody who's been to Bethel knows how quickly the waiters serve the meals. I mean, it's amazing to watch them serve 3,000 people in less than an hour. I mean, it's an amazing feat how they do that. But it's because they're so organized. Well, a lot of the guys who worked in the kitchen uh, who were waiters, they would just take those same skills on the outside. But what they would do is meantime, they would invite some of their boys. And myself and other guys I knew, we were always being invited because we had friends who worked as waiters in the kitchen. And so they said, what you doing this weekend, man? We're doing Saturday. And then going, look, got a wedding. You want to you you roll with us? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting because basically what happened is you get to the wedding, uh, you get to the, you would get to the wedding uh, place. Either they would be having the wedding there or in some place at the time they have the Kingdom Hall. And if they were having the Kingdom Hall, you just head them over to the reception place. Y'all set up everything, get everything squared away, uh, working with the, the caterer and everything, and you're ready. So when the guests arrive, you know, you got seven, eight Bethel lights ready to go, taking people to their seats, getting people squared away. And then once that starts, you then start serving the meal. And so people would see that. And they will see how quickly you serve that. And then you always have somebody who's getting married in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And they'll say, y'all guys do this for other people's wedding? We sure do. Give us a call. And so that was how you would set up your business, just like that. And of course, it, it was interesting. You, know, you, you would get a chance to meet a lot of the friends by doing just this, G-jobbing on the side. And so for a lot of Bethelites, they're not broke. I mean, there are some Bethelites who they, over the years, they earned money while they were at Bethel. They didn't just live on the 80 and $90 that the society provided. So it's interesting that there are just so many ways in which people's lives turn out based on what their experience is. But once again, this is Life at Bethel with JT. The good, the bad, and yes, the ugly.
but we invite you to subscribe to our channel and be sure to hit that bell so that you can receive notifications when we upload new content. Give us a thumbs up if you like this video. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.